Praise the Lord, church. It is a pleasure again to be here um, to minister once again to teach on Wednesday night a Bible study. Um, there was a little mix up here. This uh, I, I'm kind of a scatterbrained today. A lot of things going on. Um, uh, it's just I don't know. You know, for for many years I was not. I, I really felt I was not being used in the ministry. And uh, when the Lord finally called me out of where I was, um, he sure put me to work. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, sometimes I lose track of times, days. Um, so I showed up here a little late. I know you guys didn't see it, but I showed up a little late uh, this evening. Um, but I, I get confused. I've got Bible studies on Wednesday. Um, no, not on Wednesday. I have Bible studies on Monday, Thursday services on Sunday. <laughs> so things and, and all pretty much all different times. So uh, sometimes I get confused. And um, but I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful for this opportunity. I, um, I, I have a new job. Um, and I was I, I'm working at a desk and I'm working with a guy and he's been, you know, and really, it's really kind of a testimony and, and kind of a blessing in itself. Um, when I was going for this job, I was really hoping that I would get this job. It was a new position that was opening up, and I was really hoping that I would get this job with this guy that I've been witnessing to. Uh, I've been talking to him at work. I've been witnessing to him, and, and we were both going for the same position. And, and I thought, man, this is going to be a great opportunity to really share the Lord with him and to really talk to him and really, you know, eventually, you know, invite him to, to, to come to church and, and all that. You know how that soul winning goes. So, um, so I had this, uh, so I was talking to him. Um, so we went for this job, this one position and, uh, I got it and he didn't get it. And I felt really bad. And, and this, this other guy got it that, um, you know, I guess he was more qualified. Uh, they put him in the job and, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways because, um, I've had an opportunity to witness to him <laughs> while he's there. And for whatever reason, God, he, he ordains things and he orders things the way that he wants them. But this guy was asking me last week, we were talking, and he said, uh, I've told him that I'm a minister and, and that, you know, I have, I, I, have, I have a church. And he's asked me, he goes, how do, you, how do you know that you're a minister? Because I use this terminology and I talk about being called. And he, he's like, how do you get called? What is that like? Now, understand I'm speaking, I'm speaking like this to a person in the world who's asking, how do you get called? What, what is that like? And, and I, you know, uh, I told them, I said, the only way I can explain it is when I was born, I was born somebody who was shy. So I, this is not something that I wanted to do. This wasn't a career choice for me. It wasn't something that I had lined out to do. But I felt God really dealing with my heart. I felt God showing me things in the word of God and the desire to share those things that God has given me and shown me in the word of God. The desire to teach things. I told him, I said, things that are complicated, the Lord has a way of dealing with my heart and opening things up to me to where I can explain it simply. And I really felt that my, my, my calling was to be a teacher or to be a minister, to go in that, that path because the Lord has opened that up. 
See, when I was first coming into the church, I had no desire to do that. I had no desire. I didn't want to do that. And so really what I wanted to speak to you about tonight was really, I wanted to talk about the will of God. Because the will of God is something that I think, and I've looked back, I've been fighting pretty much the entirety of my life. Now, I know that sounds strange, but I've always been fighting and resisting the will of God. Even after I started coming to church, I still resist the will of God. And so I wanted to show you, I wanted to open up the scripture to you. And, and when I started, the Lord started dealing with me about this. I wanted to, I, he brought me directly to John. So I want you to go to John chapter 21. And it, this is a passage of scripture I, I've probably even preached before, in front of CRC before. But I don't believe I've preached it this way. So there are many messages that you can pull out of John chapter 21. But I, I, I want to pull out the will of God here. So we're going to be at John 21 and 1. Now I'm going to read a little bit of scripture here, but it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. Now, I want you to remember that. I, I want that to stick in your mind, right? Peter's saying, I go a fishing. Now, think about that. And they say unto him, these are the other disciples that were with him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship and immediately went to a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? And they answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. And they cast therefore and drew, cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, being John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, did cast himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in a little ship. And they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, and there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth to them, and fish likewise. Now, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now, I read all that so you understand what's going on. They are eating fish. They're on the shore. They know it's Jesus. And it says in 15, So when they had died, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, 
Lovest thou me more than these? You got to think about that. What is he saying? More than what? He's saying, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than these fish? And he saith unto him, yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. See, Peter was just doing what he knew how to do. He was a fisherman. That's what fishermen do. They go out and they fish. That's how he was raised. That's how he was trained. He was probably taught that trade by a relative, by his father, by whomever. He was taught that trade. That's what he did. And the Lord is telling him, do you love me more than this? And he says, yeah, Lord. Yeah, I, I, I love you. And the Lord says, feed my lambs. You remember when he first told Peter, when he first met Peter, he told Peter, you're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to be a soul winner, Peter. You're, going to, you're not going to catch fish anymore. You're going to catch souls. But after the Lord was crucified, maybe there was some confusion. Maybe, maybe he wasn't sure how he was supposed to proceed from here. And he went back to what he always knew how to do, and that was to go fishing. That's what I know how to do. That's what I'm comfortable with. That's my comfort zone. I'm going to go fishing. And not only did he go fishing, but he brought others with him. Nathaniel, nothing is said about Nathaniel, whether he was a fisherman. Nothing is said of whether Thomas was a fisherman. I don't believe they were. But they went along with Peter. Yeah, we'll go fishing with you. Because that's what they knew. But Jesus has enough. He has something else for them. He has something greater for Peter than fish. He has something greater than the reward that comes from catching a low, a net full of fishes. He's saying, feed my lambs. In 16, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. You understand, I've always thought about this, Pastor Larry. I've always thought about why did he have to do this three times? And the scripture says by two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If you were to bring an accusation against an elder in the church, you needed two or three witnesses. It couldn't be just one person saying this. You had to have a multitude of witnesses. And most of the times you're going to see things in the scripture done two, three times. And it confirms what it's doing. Or what it's saying. So Jesus has to ask Peter three times. I want you to know. Also remember that when Peter denied Jesus, he denied him three times. So the Lord is making sure that, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want? This is what you're going to do. If you love me, you're going to fall and you're going to do what I tell you to do. You're going to be obedient. Wasn't that the sin of Saul? Obedience is better than sacrifice. When the Lord told King Saul, I don't want you to save anything. I don't want you to save anything. I want you to destroy everything. And I want you to destroy the enemy. And Saul brings back all these sacrifices. And he pats himself on the back and says, 
Look what I did. And Samuel chastised him. The Lord rejected him because he wasn't obedient. So the Lord wants to make sure that Peter is obedient and that he understands what he's doing. 17, he saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now listen to what he says in 18. He says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walked whithersoever thou wouldest. So when you were young, you did whatever you wanted to do. Right? When you're young, you do whatever you want to do. Right? If I want to go here, I'll go there. If I want to go there, if I want to go to the store, I'll go to the store. If I want to go hang out with my friends, I'll go hang out with my friends. So he's saying when you're young, you did what you wanted to do. And you went where you wanted to go. But he says, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whithersoever thou wouldest not. When you're old, Peter, somebody else is going to take you. And they're going to take you somewhere you don't want to go. This is talk about being hit with a ton of bricks, right? When you're young, you, get to, you, you go wherever you want to go. You do whatever you want to do. But he's saying, understand this, Peter. You just said you love me. You just said that you're going to feed my sheep. Guess what? One of these days, somebody's going to take you where you don't want to go. And Peter understood immediately what this meant. The Lord already showed him. Right? The Lord loved us so much, he laid down his life for us. And he's asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you understand what that means? Because one of these days, you're going to be taken, Peter. Somewhere where you don't want to go. And it says in 19, and he spake this, this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Even even though this is what I've already told you is going to happen, follow me. Right? I've already told you this is going to happen. Follow me. I just want you to follow me. Be obedient. And Peter, bless his heart. Hold on a second. Peter turning about in verse 20, see at the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he looks at John following, which also leaned at his breast at supper and said, Lord, oh, I'm sorry, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? <laughs> you know, church, I could preach a message about worrying about other people. Sometimes in our walk with God, we don't focus on ourselves. If we only looked at ourselves as much as we look at other people. If we just focused and concentrate our, on our own walk with God. But here is Peter looking at John and saying, what about this guy? What is he going to do? You just said, I'm going to give my life for you. But what about this guy? Right? 
<laughs> this guy who's always sitting next to you, this guy, is he gonna, is, is he gonna have to do the same thing as me? Because then I would feel a lot better about what I gotta do. <laughs> right? And it's funny what Jesus said. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? If it's if it's be so that he stays or he remains until I come back, what is that to you? So what if he's still here when I return? How does that got anything to do with your walk, Peter? How does that got to do with anything that I've told you? He says, follow thou me. It doesn't matter about John. It doesn't matter what this brother does. It doesn't matter what that sister does. What matters is between what happens between you and God and what God has called you to do. The, the path that God has set for your life, that is what matters. And that's what the Lord is trying to get across to Peter right here. It doesn't matter about John. Follow me. You follow me. Don't worry about him. Verse 23, then went the saying abroad among his brethren, among the brethren, the disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him that he should not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to the, what is that to thee? But I think this is a very interesting thing. I brought this passage of scripture out because I wanted to show that it's the struggle that we go through in our walk with God. And like I started before I began this, this is how I feel my walk with God has been. It has been a constant struggle between what God is leading me to and what I want to do. I have that resistance, much like Peter showed right here. Well, what about this, brother? What about that? Yeah, I love you, but do you really understand what that means? Do you really understand what it means to serve the Lord? I, like I testified before, when the Lord called me, look, the Lord has had a plan for my life for some time. You know, this week I had my mom come over and she testified. She was in our service and she testified. She said, you know, she, she shouldn't have had a second child. When she had my brother, my older brother, she almost died. On the op she almost died giving birth. And the doctor said, you, you shouldn't have any more children. No more children for you. And my mom did. She decided she wanted one more child. She said she didn't want my brother to grow up alone. She wanted to give him a brother or a sister. So she had another child. Even against the wishes of her doctor and her family. My grandmother said, what are you doing? I don't want to lose you. She had one more child, and a child is standing before you tonight. I've testified before that my grandfather, when he fought in World War II, he testifies that there are times he ducked and a bullet hit the person right behind him. And he was lucky to even be alive, to even get out alive. Less than 20 people in his company actually survived. And he survived by getting malaria and nearly dying. But that's what got him off the islands. 
I'm, uh, the mere fact that I'm standing here is, is a miracle. And I know that when, when, you know, when I was born, even before I was born, God had a plan for my life. But I've resisted that. I resisted that. When uh, my first pastor, when he, he, when I started coming to church, it wasn't long. And I don't know, pa Pastor Larry, if you ever have that feeling about people in your church. If the Lord ever shows you something and, and you have a good feeling, like I, I think this, something special is going to come from this brother or this sister. I can see something, but my pastor, um, he was telling people, he said, that, that Chris, that, that brother Chris, he's, he's just in high school, but God's going to make him a minister. And I heard that, and I, I was like, no, I, I can't do that. I, I, I can't be a minister. I, I can't speak. I can't, I'm shy. I, I can barely even stand up to testify in church. It's hard to do that. I'm like shaking. My knees shake. I, I can't do that. I can't do this. And really, all I needed to do was just follow God and do what God wanted me to do. See, at this moment, when I'm speaking about Peter, Peter's not ready to give his life. He's not ready to lay down his life. Because the first thing he says is, he says, what about John? What about this guy? I'd feel a lot better if this guy was going to go with me. But no, he's... Peter just had to do what the Lord called him. Peter just had to follow. He just had to feed the sheep. He just had to do what he was called to do. And God would prepare him for that moment. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I didn't want to be a minister, but after several years, I started to get more confidence. The Lord started to use me. I started to see things in the scripture. And then I couldn't keep it in. I wasn't a talker, but I couldn't keep it in. I still remember the very first time I ever preached was here in Arizona. My parents got a divorce and I came and I moved um, to Arizona. And I remember I went to, I preached on the Indian reservation, the San Carlos Indian reservation. I went out there, I preached a message if you think that, that I preach short messages, man, this was probably the shortest message I, I've ever preached. It was like 10 minutes, 10, 12 minutes. But you know what, Pastor Larry? Somebody received the Holy Ghost in that, in that service. Amen. Somebody received the Holy Ghost. And I realized right quick, right there, it's got nothing to do with my Amen. preaching. Amen. It had nothing to do with my preaching. It had everything to, it had everything to do with me being obedient unto God. There's a saying I like to say, I've heard it when I was younger, living for God. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called, yeah. right? It was about being obedient to God's word. It had nothing to do with my ability, but I, I, I was obedient. They asked me to come and speak. They didn't even say, preach. Do you want to speak? Come say something, right? Right? That was a way to get me in there and to do something. I was like, okay, I'll go speak. I'll do something. And they had, they had a Holy Ghost-filled service. They had a, a new person come in and receive the Holy Ghost at service. I was like, wow, right? That's the way it's always been in my walk with God. God is pushing me in a direction, and I, I'm trying to go and do something else. God is always showing me things. He's showing me, leading me in a direction. You know, in, in the church, it's very common. And, and those of you that have been in the church a long time, you understand how this is. Uh, 
that when, you know, when it comes to, I was young, I was in high school, and uh, it was never hard. There was always a lot of uh, uh, young people, young women that were, uh, that liked me, um, that would follow me around even when I wasn't interested in, 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 in other girls. And um, uh, I always thought, I always figured in my mind, Pastor Larry, that I was going to get married young. I figured it was probably going to happen pretty soon, probably in, you know, 20, 21, 22, somewhere around there. That's typically when young people do get married in the church. They get married rather young. But I got married, I was nearly 26 years old. And there were many years there where I thought, Lord, is it ever going to happen for me? Is it ever going to happen? See, I wanted it so badly to happen sooner than later. But it just never, just never materialized. One thing or after another, I would have, I would, I would like a girl, there would be a girlfriend and then something would happen and, or it would be revealed like, oh, maybe this isn't the right one. And I just kept moving along. And eventually there were a few years where there was nothing, Pastor Larry. I was like, oh man, I started, I started to get the nickname Paul, you know, Paul never, you know, Paul wasn't married. I started to get that nickname, the places that, oh, you're like Paul, you're not going to be married. <laughs> But praise the Lord, you know, when it finally did happen, it happened the right way. And it was perfect. And it was, you know, I have a, I have a lovely wife. I have a wonderful wife. But that wasn't my plan. See, I, I, I was strung along and I thought, Lord, where are you? Where are you? What's happening? Wait, it's not good for man to be alone, Right. I'm tired of living like a bachelor. I'm tired of living, you know, being dirty and you know how bachelors are. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be married. But the Lord said, nope, not yet, not yet. When we got married, we, we uh, you know, you know what you do when you get married? We, we, we were living in an apartment. We actually did pretty good for ourselves. And at the second year after our lease was done, I thought, you know what we do? It's kind of like Peter. Let's, let's go fishing, right? I told Katie, I said, you know what? Let's go buy a house. That's what you do, right? That's, that's the American dream. You go out and you buy a house. So I went out and I bought a house in 2007. <laughs> and then 2008 happened. And we lost our house, <laughs> right? You know how that goes, what happened in 2008, the housing crisis and, and just the market fell out and... We lost our home, and I thought, oh, man, this is not the way it's supposed to happen, right? God, what kind of plan do you have for me? This isn't what's supposed to happen. But God was leading me down a, a path. It's not your path. It's not this brother's path. It's not this sister's path. It's my path. I'm not saying you shouldn't own a home. Some of you, it's God's will, and God put you in that home. Praise the Lord. But since that time, Pastor Larry, I still rent. I've tried to look for homes. We've, we've gotten real estate agents, and we've, we went out and we started, you know, hey, let's, let's look, let's, let's, let's kind of look, feel the market, test it out, uh, at least two, on two other occasions in the past several years. Nothing. Nothing. Do I force it? Or do I wait for God's time? Do I wait for God's time? Do I keep doing what God has told me to do? Do I keep being obedient? Do I keep following after God? And God will provide the opportunity as it comes. 
I, there's a scripture I love so much. Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew 6 and 24. And the Lord answers all these questions for us. Now, Matthew 6 and 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or you can't serve God and money. So you're either going to put God first or you're going to put money first. Now, I'm not preaching against money. But listen to what he says in 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for the body, what you shall put on. He's, you know what he's saying right there? Don't think about this stuff. This shouldn't be the priority and the drive of your life. Don't think about your life. Don't consider it. Don't think about what you're going to eat next. Don't think about what you're going to put on your body, what, what you're going to be dressed with. And for that matter, don't think about what roof you're going to be under. He says, is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. They do sow, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What? shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed for after these things do the Gentiles seek he's saying that's what the world seeks that's the world's priority they talk about what they're going to invest in when they want to retire they talk about what they want to do that's what the world does he says for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He knew I needed a wife. He knew I need, I need some place to live. He knows I need these things. And 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see that? That is a promise. That is a promise that God has given us. If you seek God first, you put him first in your life and his righteousness. You put the things of God first in your life. He's going to take care of everything else. Well, what about, I mean, well, what about my mortgage payment? What about this? Put God first. In everything, put God first and he will take care of everything else. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about those things. The Lord will take care of that. Seek God first. Do what he's called you today. If he's put something on your heart, go with it. If he's calling you into something else in your life, if he's calling you to a deeper walk, follow that. Don't worry about the things of this life. The Lord's going to take care of it. He says in 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. 
For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. The Lord will take care of it. Worry about today. If I could say anything, was Peter not worried about tomorrow? Maybe a little bit, right? He didn't want to hear what the Lord had to say. But the Lord just said, follow me. Just just follow me, Peter. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you our walk with God. I don't know how my walk's going to end, and I don't know how your walk with God is going to end. But I can tell you one thing tonight, and that is just follow God. However you know how to follow God, you follow God. We are all at different places in our walk with God. I wanted to share something with you really quick. You'll turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis, and I'm just going to do, do kind of a summary. Because if you look, if you look at the life of Abraham, now we're called children of Abraham, are we not? But if you look at the life of Abraham, you will see somebody who just follows God. And you could see how he develops and he changes over his walk with God. Now in Genesis chapter 12, uh, uh, this is just, if you want to take notes, go ahead and take notes. You can read it later uh, and, and check and see if I'm telling the truth, right? So Genesis 12, we have God's call to Abraham. Now God was very simple in his call. He said, get out of your country. You notice that? It wasn't something complicated. It wasn't, you got to do this, 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 and this. He said, just get out of your country. Just leave. That's that's the only thing he told him to do. And Abraham did it. Or Abram did it. He followed after God. Yes, God told him to get out of his country. He got out of his country. What we don't know about Abram is what he had. Was he blessed? Was he living in a big home? We don't know. But God said, get out. Go. Go to this wilderness. Go to this desert place that I'm going to show you. All right? He calls them. You will also notice in Genesis chapter 12 that Abram, who doesn't know God, he heard God, he heard God call him out, but he doesn't really know who he is. It says that he builds an altar. This is the first time he calls upon the name of God. He just knows that God is calling him out. And that's the way many of us are. For some reason, we feel, we, we feel the desire to come to church. That's how I was. I didn't feel comfortable where I was anymore. God was calling me out. I felt like I needed to be in church. I felt like I needed something else. There had to be more to life than just cars and homes and pools and, and making a lot of money. There had to be more than that, Pastor Larry. There had to be more than that. There was an emptiness. There was a void in my life and in my heart. There had to be something more to life. Life had to be more than just this. It's more than just the rat race. And if you may be feeling that, you may be at your end right now. You may be, you may be coming off substance abuse. I don't know what it is, but you may be at that situation where you're thinking there has to be more. There's got to be more, and there is. So the Lord called Abraham out, or Abram out. He called him. And Abram found a place when he was called out and it said he built an altar, right? He just piled up those stones. He built an altar and it said he called upon the name of God. He cried out to God. He didn't know who he was. In chapter 12, 
The Lord blesses Abram. He goes into Egypt because of a famine and he walks out with blessings upon blessings. Was he a righteous man? No. (laughs) He did a little fibbing to Pharaoh. But guess what? God blessed him. God blessed him. He left out of Egypt more than what he had when he came in. In chapter 13, he separates from his nephew, Lot. There's a separation there. Lot sees the good land of the valley. Of the, he, see, he sees the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah. He sees that. It looks pleasing to him. It's green. It's good for his cattle. And Abram says, if you go here, I'll go to the other side. And so Abram goes to the desert. But once he goes out to the desert, the Lord says, I want you to look to the north. I want you to look to the south. I want you to look to the east. And I want you to look to the west. I'm going to give all of it to you. It's all yours. He reaffirms that promise. doesn't matter what Lot chose. You're going to get all of it. And in chapter 13, he builds another altar. He calls upon God. In chapter 14 of Genesis, he saves Lot. Lot is captured and he saves him. And in Genesis chapter 14, Abram pays tithes. <laughs> it said he pays tithes to Melchizedek. Amen. Right? This is a walk with God, Pastor Larry. <laughs> he goes and he pays tithes. Hey, this, if you look, hey, we're children of Abraham, are we not? Sometimes we need to look at these people who we are compared to and read their story and understand that if you look at the whole story, you can, you can find yourself there. You can find yourself as an Abraham. You can find yourself somewhere in there. And there he is in Genesis chapter 14. Some of you guys are there, right? Pays ties. Chapter 15, he makes a covenant. God makes a covenant with Abraham, right? In chapter 17, he changes his name. He no longer is Abram. He's Abraham. He changes his name. I always, the, the name that I always like is, is Jacob, right? You remember Jacob? His name literally means supplanter or deceiver. And, 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 and that's, what, that's what they would do in, in the Bible is your name a lot of the times represented what you were or who you were. So a change of name was very important. So Jacob went from being a deceiver to he was given the name Israel, right? He he was was given a change of name. You even see that in the New Testament. You had Saul and then you had Paul. There's a change that went on. There was a change in our lives when we received the Lord, right? We got to the point where we were changed when we're not the same person anymore. Well, we started and we were one person. We were the deceiver. And then we got a name that was changed. We're no longer the way we used to be. So in 17, his name is changed. And in Genesis chapter 21, the promise is fulfilled. What God had promised Abraham the whole time that he would have a son, that he would have an heir. 
God had promised him, he said, look up at the stars or look at the sand. Yours offspring is going to be as numerous as the sand that is on the sea. And then he would say, look up at the stars. If you can count the stars, that's going to be your offspring. But he did this for years, Pastor Larry. For years he went along with that, not seeing any fruits of that. Then finally it happens. And God blesses him and Sarah. And they have that child. And then God tests him. God performs that miracle and then he tests him. How much do you really love me? Are you willing to give this up? Are you willing? And if you see it, if you really look at it, if you read the story of Abraham, he tells the men as they're going, as he's going with Isaac, and they're going to that, to make that offering, to make that sacrifice, he tells the men that come with him, he said, you wait here, me and the lad are going to come up, sacrifice, and then we're going to return. He knew He believed God was going to bring his son back. Even though he was told, you're going to sacrifice your son. He knew he was going to come back. He knew that if he had to sacrifice his son, God could raise him from the dead. Church, that's a type of Christ, but he knew that. It's what God has promised and walking in that. And God has given us many promises. He told Peter, he said, just follow me. Just follow me. Don't worry about what tomorrow is going to bring. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Just follow me. I know you're not ready to hear about what's going to happen, about how you're going to lay down your life, how somebody's going to forcibly take you and take you somewhere where you don't want to go. I may have shared this with you before, but the, the story behind it, whether you want to believe it or true, you could take it with a grain of salt, that Peter was put in a, he was put in a, in a dungeon. He was put in, a, in the ground. Basically, the Romans, their prison was a hole in the ground. And Peter was thrown in there. And normally it would take just a few weeks or a few days for somebody to go crazy in that, in that hole because there would be very little to no light coming in. But the report is that Peter, after months being down there, comes out in his right mind. See, church, none of that could have happened had Peter not followed God. The path that the Lord took Peter was a glorious path and one of of victory. The scripture says that in the book of Acts that Peter, that as he walked down the streets, people put the sick so that the shadow of Peter would touch them. This is the man that denied the Lord three times. This was the man that the Lord had to ask three times, do you love me, Peter? Follow me. Follow me. So I say that tonight as I, as, I, as I look at my life and as I examine, and we should all examine our own life. We should all be introspective on our life and see what, what's happening, what, what has God done for me? Um, where am I falling short? Because we're all falling short somewhere. And I look at myself and I say, man, I've done a lot of resisting against God's will to this very day. I know the Lord is calling me to more and deeper things. But you know what? I start, I, 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 I'll be honest with you, church. I start, to, I start to live in this world. I start to get caught up in the cares of this world. 
my mind and my, my attention starts to be drawn to other things. It, it gets drawn to, you know, making a few extra dollars. It gets drawn to, um, you know, what, what's tomorrow? What are we going to do tomorrow? What, what are we going to do next year or next month? And it gets off what the Lord has called me to do and it's to follow him. Just put my heart and my life in him. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, but follow his will. You know, sometimes church, if we run up against it and then we try again and we run up against it again, maybe it's just not God's will. I know that's a hard thing for some of us to understand. If you've tried and you've so desperately wanted something and you say, God, I've been praying for this, I've been praying for this, and I'm not seeing the answer. And I've tried and it's just not happening. I would, I, I, I would step back, church. I would step back and really ask God, God, is this what you want? Is this what you want for my life? I remember right after I got married, this is what I thought, Pastor Larry. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I know that I'm going to need to support my wife. I want my wife to stay home. So I need, I need a good job. And at the time, I wasn't making the, the money. I wasn't making enough money, I thought, in my mind. I wasn't making enough money for my wife to stay home. You know, I knew that we we're going to have kids. I want her to stay home and raise the kids. It's, it's a better environment for them to grow up in. And, and, and I know I didn't, I didn't have the money to do it. So I was applying for jobs. I, I'd gotten a degree at ASU, and I was starting to apply for jobs. And, and I, would, I, would, I would get down, and I would, I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the, middle of the morning one, two o'clock in the morning, the Lord would wake me up and I would get out there and I'd pray. I'd pray for, for an hour, two hours. I'd pray. I'd say, God, you know, you need to perform a miracle. You need to, you need to give me a job. You need to give me a job that, that I can, you know, that my wife can stay home. But I would also say, Pastor Larry, God, I want your will. You know how sometimes we pray things and we just say it. It's words that come out of our mouth, but in our heart, I know I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> Sometimes we get, in the, we get in the spirit of prayer and we're praying things and we're not even thinking about what we're saying. But God hears. And so I was doing that. I was saying, I was saying, God, I want your will for my life. I want your will and give me that job. I need a job. I need a job. And the Lord just stopped me right there. He said, and Pastor Larry, it wasn't an audible voice, but it, it might as well have been. It was just like clear as day. It was like a pin drop in the room. The Lord said, I thought you wanted my will. <laughs> Pastor Larry, I didn't pray that prayer anymore. Because that's where my will and God's will were butting up against each other. I wanted something so badly. But God was saying, I have another path for you. It's different. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get the glory for this, not you. You are going to be able to make it without that job. And it's going to be because of me, not because of you. He's going to receive the glory, not me. When Abraham, when he saved, when he saved Lot, the king, the king of a, the kings wanted to give him everything. They said, just, just give us the people, right? You can have all the spoils. And Abraham said, no. 
I don't want to take that. I'm not taking it. I don't want people to think that you made me rich. God is the one that's going to receive the glory for this. God is going to receive the glory. And so sometimes if we are running up against that wall, if it feels like we are beating our head up against the wall, maybe we need to step back sometimes, church, and we need to look and ask God, is this your will, God? Is this your will? Right? It wasn't God's will that Peter continue to fish because he was a fisher of men. But God has more for us. And let me tell you, church, I, I am firmly believing that even though my will, my flesh may resist what God has, I know that it's going to be better for me. I know that what God has in store for my life is going to be better because I could have never, I could have never thought when I was 21, 22 years old, single, waiting for the right one to come along, I would have never thought that my life would be this blessed and this good. But that meant that I had to wait longer. And I'm thankful that I did. I had dreams. I had dreams when I was younger. I was going to be rich. I was going to have money. Pastor Larry, I was going to drive a BMW. <laughs> I was going to be one of the guys that wore suit to work. Right? God did not have that plan for my life. I was going to be in the ministry. And I've resisted these things, but God has blessed me. Let me tell you, I feel, I feel so blessed to be able to share the word of God with you tonight. I feel so enormously blessed. I know I have purpose in this life. When I was little, I always saw like, What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? I know it was strange. I was like five, six years old wondering why, why, I, was, why I was here on this earth. And what's the purpose? There's, there's billions of people. Why, why me? I found that in serving God. I found that in preaching the gospel. No life is better than one that you serve for God. There's, a, there's something my pastor used to always say. He said, it's a short life. It will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. <laughs>